Morning Beach Park. What's going on? Come on. What's up? Everybody doing well? Y'all look good. Folks in here got their little Sunday fit on. Probably look like your Saturday fit. <laughs> Praise God. Y'all know we don't care what you wear as long as you wear something. That's our only rule, okay? Wear something. If you wear the three-piece, rock it like you know you look good. And if a t-shirt and jeans or shorts look good and work for you, we fine with that too. Well, I am continuing this series of what would Jesus say And we get to use our imaginations a little bit in this series, but we're talking specifically about Mr. Giannis himself. Now, I got on my Bucks in Six shirt. For folks that don't know, I came from the mill, as we call it. I came from Milwaukee. We spent about seven years out there. And I remember, yeah, the mill, you know, for for folks folks that know, if you know, you know. So look. Giannis was drafted in 2013. Sonia and I started going out to Milwaukee and doing ministry in 2014. When this brother was drafted, Giannis might have been, Giannis weighed less than I weigh right now. Giannis was seven feet tall, and he'd be able to turn sideways. You wouldn't have seen him. That brother was so skinny, he would have been the hide-and-seek champ for real, just hiding behind telephone poles and stuff. Rail thin, raw. They knew he had some talent. They knew he had some potential. But, of course, when you draft a kid that looked the way he did, it was like, oh, okay, good draft pick. We'll see what happens out of him. Over the course of them next years, to see what Giannis has become has been phenomenal. And as I studied his story, it made me feel even better about the things that God has blessed him with and blessed him to do. So I want to educate you a bit on who he is, what his story is, what he went through, how he got to where he is. And then we're going to talk through three things that I believe Giannis would have Jesus say to him. Let's start out with a little bit of his backstory. So Giannis was born in Greece. Here's the thing. He was born to immigrant Nigerian parents, parents that did what many immigrants do. They decide I'm leaving this place to go somewhere else to give my children an opportunity at a better life. A lot of times it's not being done specifically for them. It's for the family they want to have. It's for the family that they already have. It's for the kids that they see and look at and they say, I want better for you. And it's not going to happen where we are. So they moved and went to Europe and end up in Greece as undocumented immigrants. Giannis is born in 1994. But here's the thing. Unlike the United States, Greece does not have a citizenship law that says that if you're born here, you're automatically a citizen. That does not apply. There are people that will find their way into the United States, not for their own citizenship, but for the full purpose of having their child born here so that they can receive the rights and the benefits of being an American citizen. That's a sacrifice, you guys. It just is. I don't care what side of the line you're on. That's a sacrifice that parents are making. I saw an article the other day that shows that parents who know they are going to be separated from their children at the border are bringing them anyway so that their child can claim asylum. Because I would rather give you up to give you the opportunity to have the life I can't give you. Giannis' parents, undocumented immigrants. His mother is just a babysitter. She's like, look, I'll take care of kids. His dad is a general handyman, just working wherever he can find work. The boys, they have four sons. The boys are helping them by selling merchandise to tourists. 
So they're selling watches, sunglasses, DVDs at the time. Now, if you're real young, you don't know what a DVD is. <laughs> it, it's kind of like Netflix, but it was on a disc, okay? They're selling DVDs. They're selling all type of little trinkets. And Yana said, and I was the best salesman. And they were like, you was the best salesman? He said, yes, because I wouldn't quit. I would just keep asking questions. Now my thing was, Giannis, you probably seven feet tall, looking down at folks talking about some, give me some money. Well, they probably just, <laughs> take my money. <laughs> give me all your DVDs. <laughs> but they did this to make money to help take care of their family. Because they're undocumented. Typically, peddling of merchandise requires a license, a permit. So they're also on the run from the police on a regular basis. They're undocumented. Immigration is a problem. It's kind of hard to blend in when you're about 6, 11, and you 12, 13 years old. You have a family structure that is dependent on each other. And this is the family that Giannis was born into. Now, there was a coach by the name of Spiros Velionatis. And Spiros would go to some of the lower income areas of Greece looking for talent that hadn't been discovered yet. He knew that recruiting was a cutthroat business. And many of the scouts knew of all the famous people. They knew of the people in the schools and who were playing for the professional clubs. He was trying to find the ones that no one else may know about. So he would go to the places where nobody else would go. And one day, he came to a place called Sepolia. Now, maybe a year or so previous, he had seen a little bit of a young man named Thanasis playing basketball, and he saw, he was like, he's got some potential. And I've heard some other good things from some other people, so I want to go down here and try to find him. Well, Thanasis is Giannis' older brother. And as Spiros is looking for Thanasis, he's literally driving through these neighborhoods, pulling up at all the basketball courts and asking, has anyone seen Thanasis around? Where can I find him? How do I get in contact with him? And as he's driving around, he pulls up to a specific court and he sees three young men out there not playing basketball. They're playing tag. Did y'all hear me for a second? They're not playing basketball. They're playing Tag. I want to read to you what he said. He's seeing these three young men are Giannis and his younger brothers, Costas and Alexis, playing tag. And when Spiro sees him, he says, when I saw Giannis, I looked up at the sky and said, God, how is it possible that no one has noticed the physical skills and talent in this kid? His brother didn't even have a basketball. He dodging folks. He moved. He put on the matrix on people, just doing stuff. And he's like, oh my God, do you see this? And nobody knows who he is. Hey, I came looking for Thanasis, but I need to find out who this is. Well, he finds out these are Thanasis' younger brothers. Now, here's the crazy part. Not only does he find Giannis and his brothers playing tag, not even trying to play basketball, when he talks to Giannis and Thanasis, neither one of them want to play basketball. <laughs> neither one of them. Giannis wanted to be a soccer player. Thanasis wanted to be a track and field star. 
For two years, Spiros tries to convince them to give basketball a try. Please, please, look at you. Just touch the ball. Just, just shoot it once or twice. You'll like it, I promise. Doesn't work. They don't budge. That's not what they want to do. That's not what they desire. They've got responsibilities. They've got things they've got to take care of. So in their free time, in their spare time, why would I do something that I don't even want to do? So Sparrows get smart. He's like, you know what? Forget this. I ain't talking to y'all. Just like some of us do when I'm dealing with teenagers. Sometimes I'll talk to them to an extent, and they give me some crazy answers. I'm like, I ain't mess with you. Where your mama at? Let me, <laughs> Let me talk to your daddy real quick. Ain't nobody trying to talk to you. You ain't got no pool. <laughs> he goes to the parents, and he's like, hey, I want your sons to play basketball for my team. So here's what I'll do. I'll make you a deal. I know you're undocumented. I know that you're struggling financially. They were living in a two-bedroom apartment. Literally, all the boys, all four of them, were sleeping in the same bed in the same bedroom. Y'all, these ain't little folks. Feet and arms everywhere. <laughs> he tells them, if you let your sons play for my team, we will help you find employment. Not only that, until we help you find this employment, our team will give you 500 euros a month. Oh, them parents was like, boys, come here. <laughs> come here. Hey, hey, come here. Sit down. <laughs> so you guys, I got a job for you. It's going to start on Monday. And they, you know, you got a job for us? What kind of job you got? You're going to play basketball. <laughs> You're going to play basketball. We don't even want to play basketball. Shut up. You're going to play basketball. <laughs> Y'all know how some parents be like, this was not a conversation for you to express your opinion. I'm telling you what's about to happen. You're about to put that soccer ball down. You, quit throwing them javelins. Come over here. You're going to play basketball. We're going to get this check. That's how they started playing ball. This team literally sponsored the training of these young men. Giannis had never even played basketball. We're going to pay you so that we can practice and train your sons. And this starts the process of 13-year-old Giannis moving into who we know him to be today. So what I want to do, I've got a few videos here. I'm going to show you this first one. And we're going to dive into what I believe Jesus would say to Giannis along the way as he was going from who he was from this place of poverty, this place of running from the police, this place of not knowing where my next meal is going to come from, to all the way to who we see him as today. Let's go ahead and play video number one.
Giannis used to be mopping the floor, not even playing in the game. See, Thanasis was the one that was on the court because he was the one that was known as the good basketball player. And they did Giannis so bogus in this video. Now, he's 16 years old. This is three years before he's even drafted. They didn't even give that brother a real mop. <laughs> they gave him, you take your towel, <laughs> and every time somebody falls on the ground, you go wipe it up. Now, if you don't play sports and you maybe not understand, when people fall on the ground, they may get sweat or anything else on the ground, and you don't want to cause a slipping hazard. So Giannis is that boy that gets to run down there and use his foot to sweep up everything that's down there. At this point in time, we know that Giannis was practicing. We know that they were going without food. There's all type of stories of his dad actually acting like he wasn't hungry so that the kids wouldn't feel bad and eating the portion of food that was set aside for him. There were times Giannis was practicing and not eating all day until he got home around 11 o'clock at night. Literally, get up, work, go to school, come back, go to practice, make it back, and have expended all this energy and haven't eaten all day. And this became a normal thing for him. But I want to read you something. And I want to say this is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And it's the first thing that I believe Jesus would say to Giannis. Is, Giannis, I see you. Giannis, I see you. I see you. I see what's happening. I see what's going on. I see your struggle. I see how your parents have moved from Africa and they're in Greece and nothing is working out well. I see you. But not only do I see you, I promise I'll take care of your needs. I promise that I'll watch out for you. Maybe not everything you want, but I'll make sure you have everything that you need. This is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. It tells us, this is why I tell you, Giannis, not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Is it life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns where your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Y'all, Giannis and his brothers were so poor that their brothers played basketball with the same pair of shoes. In the practices, Giannis would sit out until Thanasis came out the game and they would trade shoes because they had one pair of basketball shoes. But God provided what they needed. Same size feet. <laughs> hey, I'm going to bless y'all with this one pair, but I'm going to keep your feet about this size so that you both use them. It may not always be what you want it to be, but he'll give you what you need it to be. The Bible continues and he says, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly, Beach Park, care for you. Hey, that should be reassuring. God says he will care for you. That brings me some confidence. The Bible tells us that we shouldn't be anxious or overly concerned about everyday life. Why? Did you know that you are valuable to God? Like, that's what this scripture tells us, that we are valuable 
to him. Anybody got something in your house you would say is valuable to you? Yes. I got things that are valuable to me. And when something's valuable, you, you take care of it. You treat it differently. It's folks that say stuff is valuable, and I watch how they treat it, and I'm like, no, that ain't valuable to you. <laughs> no, I wouldn't treat I wouldn't do that like that. When you got valuable stuff, when you value your car, you don't hand your keys to just anybody. I'll be struggling at the valet parking space. I'm like, let me see your ID real quick. <laughs> uh-uh. My daughter is valuable to me, so she can't go to everybody's house. Everybody can't babysit her because you're valuable. Everybody's not welcome in my home because my home and my peace is valuable, which means that I protect it. I keep it. I polish it up. I make sure it stays in the condition that I found it. I'm here to take care of valuable things. And God says that we are valuable. You're valuable to him. Don't let anybody ever convince you. Anybody that ever tries to tell you that you are not valuable to God, they are of the devil and the truth is not in them. And if they got a problem, tell them your pastor said it. You are valuable to God. He loves you with an everlasting love. We typically take care of things that are valuable to, to us and look at all the things that Giannis' family had to endure and overcome, but through it all, because they were valuable to God, their needs were met. Through it all, they had a place to stay. Might not have been where they wanted to stay. They had food to eat. Might not have been what they wanted to eat. Hey, they had clothes on their back. Might not have been the clothes they wanted to wear. But their needs were being met. And I want to just encourage you to believe God. Believe that he has a plan for you. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what's happened, no matter what it looks like, God has a plan. He's got a plan for you. And we have to hold on that and then see it all the way through. Because here's the crazy part. Giannis never would have guessed that simply playing tag with his brothers would change his life. He was found doing something very different than what he ended up doing. And I got news for those of you in here that many times God finds us doing and living things that are very different than what he's called us to do and be. But if you're like me, you're thankful that God doesn't care that you're not the MVP yet. He doesn't care that you haven't won a championship yet. He doesn't care that your life's not perfect. He doesn't care that things aren't all put together. He says, I see you at the basketball court playing tag, and I choose you now. It's amazing. God sees the potential in us when we don't see it in ourselves. He's called us to greatness, and he says, I see it in you because I placed it in you. I want to show you another video here, and it's of Giannis after he wins the MVP. Most Valuable Player Award for the NBA? Giannis, the dude that was running from immigration. You won what? I want you all to look at this video and just... Listen to his words as he talks about what's really important to him. Let's play that second video. Man, uh, I'm nervous, okay. 
So uh, first of all, you know, I want to thank God. Uh, um, I wouldn't, you know, be this position that I am today. Um, man, wait, hold on. Okay, okay. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah, I want to thank God uh, for putting me in this amazing position I have today. Um, everything I do, I do it through Him, and I'm um, extremely blessed. And um, uh, I want to thank my dad. Uh, Obviously, you know, my dad is not here with me, but every day, every day I step on the floor, I always think about my dad, and that motivates me and it pushes me to you know, play hard and move forward. Even though when my body's sore, even though when I, I don't feel like playing, I always go show up and I always go do the right thing. Uh, I want to thank my amazing brothers. You know, I, I love you guys, man. I love you guys. You guys are my right to die. You, know, you guys are my role models, man. I look up to you guys. Um, thank you for everything you guys do for me. And uh, I will thank my, my amazing uh, mom. My amazing mom. I think my amazing mom, she's my hero. She's, uh, you know, me. Uh, Always, when you're a little kid, uh, you you see the future, right? And uh, you, if uh, you have a good parent, your parent sees, sees the future for you. And she always saw the future in us. She always believed in us. She, she was always there for us. She's the foundation of this family. You're my, my, you're my true hero. You're my true hero. Come on. That brother, now look, he was already one of my favorite players. And then when he had this speech, it was just like, how could you not love somebody that love their family like that? Somebody that that's grateful, that thankful. And I look at what he's done, you know, even from that first video from mopping floors, coming from nowhere, somebody that people were looking down on, no one was paying attention to. And I believe the second thing that Jesus would say to Giannis is stay humble. I think he would say, stay humble, Giannis, because your blessings are linked to your humility. Amen. Journey Beach Park, I'm talking to you. Stay humble. Your blessings are linked to your humility. See, Giannis, when he got drafted at the age of 19, went from living in a bedroom with his four brothers to now being placed in complete and total eloquence by the Milwaukee Bucks. They said that when he got drafted, the Bucks took him and they put this brother in a five-star hotel with a room that he could not even understand why they would spend this kind of money on him. I want to read to you. He was so uncomfortable. This comes from an article. They said that when he was placed in this luxury hotel in downtown Milwaukee, he had these fluffy pillows and everything was perfect and he felt so uncomfortable that somebody would spend this kind of money on him, so he took the mattress off the bed and slept on the floor because he couldn't accept that this is what his life is now like. They said it was strange for him to not have the feeling of sleeping side by side with his brothers. 
It was weird. He spent his entire life in this bed with his three brothers. And now he has this entire bed to himself and this entire room, and it just didn't feel right. So he pulls the mattress off the bed and literally sleeps on the floor. And I can see Jesus smiling and saying, yes, Giannis, stay humble. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget the people that helped you get there. Don't turn your back just because you got some money now and things are looking good. Remember how things were. Walk in humility. There's a Bible verse in 1 Peter chapter 5, and it says, And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes, opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. I love that verse, at the right time. Not when you say so. Not when other people say so. Not when you put yourself out there and it didn't work, or you put yourself out there before you were actually ready, or you revealed yourself to some people that all they wanted to do was tear you down. God says, humble yourselves and at the right time, at the right time, I'll widen the door, I'll bring you right in the room, and I will elevate you in the position of honor when I'm ready. And when God elevates you, ain't nothing your haters can do about it. Not nothing, but watch and be hating. <laughs> That's it. That's it. God says that. Now, let me help you understand in this scripture where it says dress yourselves in humility. This gives the connotation of someone putting on an apron or putting on overalls, getting ready to go to work, specifically a slave or a servant preparing to do a task. The Bible tells us that we are to be slaves to Jesus Christ. We are to be his servants. We are to be dressed, clothing ourselves in humility to show who we belong to first, but that we are here to serve each other next. See, this is where we miss it, church, because many people love God and they get the first part of the two great commandments, but they miss the part where he says, love your neighbor as yourself. He's Jesus, he, Jesus said, the second commandment is like unto the first. You need both of these. He who without love is not of my father. We ought to be dressing ourselves in humility. Pride and arrogance should have no place in our lives. Pride, what is pride? Pride is the belief that it is because of you and you are that good. And when you're prideful, you have made yourself a God. I don't need Jesus. I don't need God. I'm that good. Not really. See, but the other side of that coin, low self-esteem, that's not of God either. And there are people who suffer from low self-esteem and Satan is happy about it because God says, I don't make any junk. No, no. God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He says you are my master handiwork. God has created you. He has made you. He has given you specific gifts and talents to where you have worth in this life. And Satan's job is to convince you that you don't. 
that you're not needed, you're not necessary, that the world would be a better place if you weren't in it. Why? Because he's scared of what you have. And if I can't take what you have away, I need you to take it away. Your gifts were given by God, supernaturally empowered for the pulling down of strongholds. Satan knows this. So how does he attack you? In your self-esteem. But see, I learned a long time ago not to esteem myself. I listen to what God says, and I listen to what he says about me. He says, you are more than a conqueror. You are my child. I am your father. I will take care of you. I got cattle on a thousand hills. Tell me what you need, baby. I'll cast one in. I got a father that loves me. Y'all have said it. When you got a good parent, they see the future for you. Hey, I got a God that said he's a good, good father. He said, what father would give their son a snake when they ask for bread? How much better is your father in heaven that will give you what you need? Amen. You serve a good, good father. My God. As slaves to Christ, we should put on humility as a sign of our subjection. Well, what is humility? Humility is defined as the state of being free from pride or arrogance. Humility is not about having low self-esteem, but it is understanding that you didn't get to where you are on your own. You didn't do it by yourself. You weren't that good to pull yourself up. You weren't that good to open that door. You weren't that good to have that happen to you. No, it's realizing that I needed some help. It's being thankful for that help. Humility is understanding, yes, I have these things. Yes, I have this talent. Yes, I have this opportunity. And I've worked hard to get it, but I could lose it at any moment. It's recognizing that there are people in your life that helped you maintain this and being thankful and grateful to them so that when you're lifted up, you in turn lift them up. See, Yadis knows that without my brothers, without my mother, without my father, I wouldn't be here. So for you to honor me as the most valuable player, I'm telling you, I must in turn honor God first and then the people that help make this happen. That's real humility. Not some of this foolishness we see on the BET Awards and on all the, some of this other stuff. Well, I would like to thank God for my Lord and Savior because you smoked up all the blunts in America. Oh, 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 because, because you wrote all the hit songs that's called the women bees and everything else that God don't represent. You thank God for that opportunity. Oh. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, you blessed. That's called grace and mercy. He's given you breath and this is what you did with it. But now you want to give him the credit. Jesus up there like, no, no. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. No. <laughs> no. Let's give him some glory and some honor for things that line up with what he would want. Come on. We have incredibly gifted people using their gifts for reasons that God didn't call them for. Amen. Humility is about embracing your strengths and your weaknesses. It's knowing what you're good at, but also being able to acknowledge, yeah, you know what, I'm great at this, but uh, this over here, mm mm-mm. See, prideful people won't tell you they're bad at nothing. 
They try to act like ain't nothing. I don't have no weaknesses. I can do anything. Well, he, he just better than me because I don't do that. But no, he better than you because he better than you. If you did do that in practice, you still wouldn't be as good as that brother. Because he's gifted to do that. And if you have humility, you can accept that. And you say, hey, in this area, I will kill it because God has blessed me. And I don't boast in myself. I boast in the ability God gave me. And I can kill this area here. But over here, I'm not anointed for that. You might want to get somebody else. You'd be surprised at the doors that opens because that shows people you're self-aware. Oh, they know some stuff about themselves. They know what not to do. They know not to waste time for me in that area with them. That's a blessing. I want to move on to the third thing that I believe Jesus would say. And I want to show you another video because we know that God says, I see you and I will provide your needs. I believe that Jesus would look at Giannis and say, Giannis, stay humble because your blessings are tied to your humility. There's a third thing I believe God will say, and I want to show you this video first before I tell you. Let's go ahead. Welcome back to Sports Center with our breaking news, Hannah Storman, Jay Harris with you. Congratulations to Giannis and everyone in Milwaukee as he has agreed and announced on Twitter that he will sign a five-year, $228 million Supermax extension, putting him in Milwaukee for years to $28 million for shooting a basketball. Yo, there's people that be here shooting basketballs for free every day. That brother's getting over $40 million a year to shoot a ball. And I believe that Jesus would look at Giannis and he would say, Giannis, Invest wisely. See, what you have is generational changing finances coming to you. Your parents came from Nigeria with nothing. They didn't even know if they are going to be able to leave you anything. And Giannis, you now have the ability to take care of your children's 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 children with this one contract if you invest But see, God wouldn't just be finished with investing your money wisely. He would say specifically invest in eternal things. See, it's great to invest in all of the things we're aware of that you can invest in here on this earth. But God will be more specific. And I can see Jesus looking at Giannis and in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, him saying, Giannis, don't store up your treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. But instead, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal because wherever your treasure is, Giannis, that's where the desires of your heart are really going to be. He's got the ability financially to do whatever he wants. And from my studies... It looks like he's making good investments. It says that Giannis is invested in a number of areas. Let's walk through some of them quickly. His relationship with his family. He invested through caring and loving for them, looking to take care of them. We know that he's invested in his body through working out, through watching what he eats, through doing the things it takes to maintain the level that he plays at. 
Some of us can use some more investing in our body. <laughs> he invested in his talent through practice and repetition. Investing. He invested in the city of Milwaukee, because I got news for you. By the time Giannis signed this contract, everybody wanted him. Giannis could have went anywhere he wanted to go. He could have signed his ticket. Wherever you want to be as an NBA team, they want you. And he said, but I want to invest in Milwaukee. I want to stay here because I believe the return in this area will be greater than anywhere else I would go. He invested in real estate through the purchasing of a property that he believes will appreciate in value as he maintains it. He invested not just in real estate, but did you all know that Giannis is a partial owner of the Milwaukee Brewers now? This boy is bad. He's 26 years old. And he currently owns a stake in the Milwaukee Brewers. Think of where he came from. Think of the life he lived. Now you're a partial owner of a Major League Baseball team? This brother has invested in all of these things with an expectation. Everybody say expectation. expectation. With an expectation of getting a return on his investment. Let me help you understand investing. Can I give you all an investing one-on-one class? You don't invest anything into something that you're going to get nothing out of. The whole point of investing is for me to take something that I have, something that I hold dear, I'm going to give it to you, I'm going to give it to this organization, I'm going to give it to this project, and when you're done, I'm going to get not just my money back, I'm going to get some additional funds as well. A bad investment is when you send money out and you come back and your money is all gone. That's a bad investment. A bad investment is when you send money out and you come back five years later and you made nothing. You're like, well, I didn't lose my money. No, you didn't lose it, but you sure didn't use it to do nothing else. That person just wasted your time. That's a bad investment. A good investor finds good ground, good soil to invest into, and they come back looking, expecting a return. I want y'all to stay with me. You can't receive a return on anything you don't put something into. Let me make it real plain. Nothing in, nothing out. Back in college, we had some folks. Friday nights, they go to the liquor store. <laughs> and anybody that wanted something to drink, you can put your order in all you want. The first question they're going to ask you is what you putting in on it, though. <laughs> now, some of y'all need to stay away from liquor stores today. I'm talking about back in college. <laughs> but that was the question. What you putting in on it? You can't be, don't be asking for me to bring you something back. Don't be asking to sip on mine and you didn't put nothing in here. We'd have folks asking. So I was one of the few freshmen that had a car. Oh, oh yeah, I worked that. <laughs> folks would be like, oh, Jay, can you take me to the mall? Sure. What you putting in on it, though? <laughs> hey, I'll drive you wherever you want to go. You put some gas in this car. 
And I don't mean enough to get you where you're going. I'm, this is an investment, which means I'm going to take you where you go and I'm going to ride myself around on the rest of it. For real. High as gas is now, y'all better be having them put something in on it. Uh-uh. Oh, no, you can't ride me as a bicycle with your name on it. You're going to get that. <laughs> no. So there's an idea. We all understand investing. We all understand that you got to put something in if you want to take something out. We get that. And I'm here to tell you something that I need you to understand. The only way for you to receive a return is that you have to invest what's been given to you. Here's my problem. Some of you, not all of you, some of you have received investments and you ain't doing nothing with it. I'm going to let that sit for a second. I know y'all like, what, what, what investment did I receive? So I'm going to say this again. Some of you have received investments and somebody's expecting a return out of it, but you ain't doing nothing with it. See, I need you to understand that God himself has invested in you with the hope that you will provide a return on his investment. There's a parable in the book of Matthew. It's called the parable of the talents. And in that parable, the master brings three of his servants to the table and he looks at them and it says, according to their own ability. Actually, let me read it to you to make sure that you know exactly what I'm talking about. Matthew 25, 14 through 15 says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered the goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, each according to what he believed they can handle. And he immediately went on a journey. Now here's what happens in the rest of that passage. The one with five talents invested those that the master gave him and he flipped them into five more. So when the master returned, he was like, well done, my good and faithful servant. Take my five back and I get additional five? Yes. For the one with two talents. That brother took his two, he invested them and he came back with two more. The master returns, hey, my servant, you killed it. Yes, give me my two back, and then I got two additional ones. Good job. But for the guy that he gave one to, this brother was like, mm, my master, he a hard man. If I lose this talent by messing around with it, something bad gonna happen to me. So he went and hid it. Because he'd rather hide the talent than use it. He'd rather hold on to and ignore the talent than to actually put it to work. He'd rather keep it for himself than invest it into somebody else that could bring a return. And it's said that when the master returned and that brother walked up with a smile on his face and he handed him back that one talent that he had been given. And that master looked at him and said, you wicked and evil. What are you doing? The servant starts making excuses. Well, I knew you was a hard man. I knew you, I, I knew, I knew you, you, you get money back from things and you don't take no mess. So I just figured I'd just at least give you back what you gave me. And he said that if you knew I was a hard man 
And if you knew I was looking for interest on my return, the least you could have did was put it in the bank and give me some interest. But you didn't even do that. Journey Beach Park, I believe that God has placed some talents in every person in this room. And some of you are sitting You have taken it and you've hidden it. You've taken it and you've placed it in the back seat of your car. You've taken it and you've placed it in a safe where nobody can see it, nobody can touch it, and nobody can be affected by it. And you are not investing. You're being a wicked and an evil servant. God has invested in us. Trust me, do you really believe that Jesus came here, was wrapped in the flesh of a man, lived a a sinless life, died the most gruesome death you can possibly die to give you salvation, to fill you with his spirit so that you can have eternal life, so that he can invest in you and you give him nothing? That's not what he called us to. That's not what he has called us to. See, Jesus looked at Peter and there's a spot in the Bible where he says Peter do you love me and Peter says yes Lord I love you and he says then feed my sheep Peter do you love me yes God you know I love you tend to my flock Peter do you really love me and Peter says yes God you know I love you Shepherd my sheep. Understand that the term shepherd implies taking care of. It implies nourishing, feeding. It implies protecting, developing, providing for, investing in. God has called you to be investors of the gifts and the talents that he has given you. And some of us are sitting on our talent and not allowing it to be utilized to bring a return that God is going to be looking for when he comes back. But see, here's the thing. You can't fool the master when he knows what he gave you to begin with. The servant that brought him one talent, he couldn't say, oh, well, I had nothing and then I brought this one. Oh, no, you didn't because I know I gave you that. God has blessed everybody in this room with a talent. Some of you, multiple talents. Some of you are the person with five. Some of you are the person with two. And if you are the person with one, regardless of what you have, God says, I'm looking for a return on my investment. Journey Beach Park, we've got a calling on us to reach this community for Jesus. And can I tell you the truth? It's going to take every last one of us to do it. There are some of you, for those of you that are already volunteering, you can plug your ears for a minute. I'm going to fuss at everybody that's not. If you are not serving, if you are not volunteering, if you are not investing your talent, you are missing it. God has a business. It's called soul winning. It's the only business he cares about. He's 100% devoted to it. He promises you, if you invest in me, I will provide you a great return. It's 100% proven. We know that it's real, but we won't invest. 
So Jesus says, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, take care of my people. If you love me, love what I love. Jesus set the example by washing his servants' feet, his disciples' feet. And he said, if you will not allow me to wash yours, you cannot have any part of me. Because to be a servant is the highest form of ministry. Beach Park, we're expanding. Some of you don't even realize the expansion is already taking place. You look around this room, y'all don't even realize we put like 80 new chairs in here. Folks be like, oh, it just it looks like a few more people are here, but it's still plenty of space. No kidding, we keep putting chairs in. <laughs> y'all ain't socially distant halfway now. It definitely wouldn't have been if we had left it the way it was. Because God is doing something. He has called us to win this community for Jesus. But he needs laborers. The Bible tells us that the harvest is plentiful. There's plenty of need. There's plenty of people that need to know him. There's plenty of people that don't know who Jesus is. There's plenty of folks that are depressed, that are angry, that are down and out. And he says, I need some laborers to go into the fields and to bring them me. So what does he do? He gifts you with talents. And your talents put you in places where you can harvest people. The church needs your talent. Some of you are missing it. Every prophetic person that I run into, people that I trust, people that I know God uses to speak, every last one of them keep telling myself and Pastor Sonia that there's something coming here, that God is going to do something. In my mind, I see this building overrun with people. I'm looking forward to calling Kenosha like, we need a brand new building. We, this one ain't big enough. Hey, we got to have three services. We got to have four services because people want to know Jesus. But here's the problem, church. Typically, Christians, you ever heard that phrase? 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. We cannot be that church. We can't afford to burn out people. We can't afford to have relationships and marriages and families falling apart because they so caught up with the ministry, they can't do nothing else. The devil is a liar. I look around this room and I see all these people with all these gifts and all these talents and God is calling you to the carpet right now. What he wants to build takes all of us. Every gift, every talent. Today, before you leave, our altar call looks a little different. Typically, I'm inviting you to come down. I'm inviting you to stand up. I'm inviting you to raise your hand. Hey, dude, would you like to accept Christ? That's all important. That's the most important thing, accepting Jesus. But here, after you accept him, get to work. Jesus did not call you to sit on the bench. He wants you, Giannis, to get in the game. In the back of this auditorium, there are some tables covered with some black tablecloths, and we've got lists of things we need help, we need talents, we need abilities, we need people. You all, I haven't said this openly, we've just shared this with the first service, but starting in September, we're looking to open our children's ministry in first service as well as second. Why? Because God told us, if you invest in children, I will invest in this church. 
So we put our money where our mouth was and we gave Nicole the largest budget we had out of all of our departments. When we hired her, she invested her gifts in good soil where God told her to be and we watched the fruit grow. Hey, can I tell you even more truth? This service, when we got here before we launched children, had about 35 people in it. When we invested in the kingdom, when God told us to invest, this service tripled. Y'all even realize, y'all don't even know. I know we keep numbers. We be looking. We had a week a couple weeks ago with 130 folks sitting out here. That was not the people on the stage. That was not the people in the back. That was not the folks downstairs because there was about 50 of them down there. God's doing something. Healthy things grow. Healthy things don't burn out. We got to be a healthy church because our community needs one. They need five. They need ten. But it's got to start here because this is where we are. So before you go today, I need you. If you are not serving in this church, one by one, this is good ground. I guarantee you. I need you to invest your talents in this place. Along the back, we've got sign-up lists. We need security personnel. Why? Because we're expanding the first service. We need additional security now to help take care of kids. Why? Because we're going to protect God's investment. We're looking for additional worship singers and musicians because God wants to reach people through worship. If you love children, if you have a heart for them, we need you. Why? Because we're expanding and additional people are needed. If you love youth, sign up. We need folks that can love on teenagers, that can help develop them, that can love them while they do dumb stuff. I had some people that loved me through some dumb stuff. Can I tell you what's even crazier to me? Some of them attend here now. And I'm like, would you ever have known that I'd be your pastor? (laughs) No, I never would have saw that. (laughs) You don't know. Because when you invest in something, you don't know the return God might bring, but he promises you, I will bring increase according to what I see is right. We need you. If you're interested in graphics, you're interested in learning the soundboard, we will develop you. We will invest in you. We need you. I don't care what your age is. You're a teenager. We need you. God is blessing us for the first time that I'm aware of. Journey Church Beach Park is going to have interns coming here this fall. What? I'm confused. Because we've been trying to figure out how we can get more help. And we like, Jesus, we don't have no more money. He said, don't even worry about it. I got you, baby. I'm going to send you free labor. (laughs) They got to do internships. And they're interested in learning what we're doing. So they're coming here. We got TJ running around here right now with a camera. He'll intern now. (laughs) God is doing stuff. And all he asks us to do is, don't you want to get in on this? Don't you want to get in on this? Don't you want to be part of this? Just put something in. Sacrifice. Some of you will look at me and say, Pastor Jay, you know, yeah, I can give you one week a month. 
that's not a sacrifice if you can easily give it. I'm pushing you and challenging you. If you can do one, sacrifice two. Sacrifice. Invest. And watch what God does. If God wants to send a multitude of people here, we need a multitude of people serving. We need folks at the doors. We need, if I'm being totally honest and just give you vision, I want folks out in the parking lot helping folks walk in. I want signs. I want folks helping children come in. I want to see people serving in every part of this building. Why? Because that's what God does for us. He meets us wherever we are in every aspect of life. And he says, come to me, you who are heavy laden, you who are heavy burdened, I will give you rest. That's what we are to do as Christians. We need somebody to run the coffee over here because Kenny invested until he left here. Oh, and that brother received some return on his investment. But now there's a space to fill. And some of you in here who have served as baristas and all this other stuff. It ain't that hard to get folks coffee. It's not that difficult to hold a conversation and to remember that she liked cream and he'd hate sugar. It's called good service. And some of you in here can do that. Well, Pastor Jay, I can't speak on a mic. You don't need to speak on a mic. Pour some coffee. Kenny reached more people over there in that cafe than I do on this stage. Just loving on folks. We need your help. Journey Beach Park, I'm going to ask you to stand up on your feet. I am challenging you to step out of the norm where churches have 20% of the people giving everything they have. But if all of us gave 20%, everybody could serve once or twice a month. Nobody would be burnt out, everybody would be covered, and we would serve this community in a way that they've never seen before. Amen. So before you leave, typically I'm telling you, hey, high five somebody, hug on somebody, tell them you love them. No, don't do none of that. Pick up a pen, go to the back of them tables, and you write your name down first on something. If you say, Pastor Jay, this is my first time ever being here in life. That is great. Welcome to the family. Put your name on something, too. <laughs> we'll figure out the rest later. I don't care about none of that. We'll talk to you later. I'm going to be on my leaders. We're going to be giving you phone calls. We're going to be reaching out to you because we need you. Every last one of the leaders here have been saying we need more people. We need more volunteers. We need more help. And then God keeps sending folks second service. Y'all the worst ones because this service is full and we got the least amount of volunteers. I'm telling on y'all. I love you. But I'm telling on you. First service, we got about a third of this and just about all of them volunteer. Second service, we got to come up. You all need to be counted in that number, not just in these chairs. Amen. Come out the seats. You have something valuable to give. Let's give it to the master so that he can receive a return on his investment. <laughs>